Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 24th of May. Anthony Albanese has touched down in Tokyo overnight ahead of his first test as Prime Minister at the Quad Security Summit. The PM has travelled with newly sworn-in Foreign Minister Penny Wong to meet with the US President as well as his Indian and Japanese counterparts. International Security Professor John Blaxland from ANU says a lot can play out at the summit. Looking at the prospect of some reimagination of how we engage with our neighbourhood in the Pacific, in Southeast Asia, with the great powers, particularly with China. Uh, and the Quad's going to feature in that mix. The the, coal, the Labor Party uh, approach is, is quite realistic about the great power dynamics. On the flight over, Mr Albanese also spoke on the phone with the British Prime Minister. The leaders talked about their commitment to AUKUS as well as challenges of climate change. Meantime, Peter Dutton will reportedly be elected as the new Liberal leader unopposed as the party looks to rebuild after the weekend's election loss. Liberal MP Alan Tudge telling Sky News he also hopes to be back on the front bench. Peter Dutton will be the leader and I've spoken to Peter Dutton. um, I would certainly like to be considered, but ultimately their decisions for him. Meantime, WA Premier Mark McGowan has voiced his concerns over Mr Dutton becoming the federal opposition leader. He's an extremist. He's an extremist and uh, I don't think he fits with modern Australia at all and he doesn't seem to listen. He's extremely conservative. Uh, I, I actually don't think he's that smart. I've seen him present on things. I don't really pick up there's much there. The former Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has formally conceded the loss of his seat of Kuyong in Victoria. Mr Frydenberg resisted making a formal announcement until yesterday, noting it was still possible for him to retain his seat with postal votes still being counted. But he's now congratulated Independent Dr Monique Ryan. It's been an incredible privilege to be the member for Kuyong over the past 12 years. Every day I've given my all to the job inspired by the people that I've met. The Queensland Premier has announced free flu vaccines as influenza cases skyrocket across the state. Health authorities are warning infections have been doubling every week with 150 Queenslanders already hospitalised and 10 in ICU. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk says those most at risk from influenza A are people between the ages of 10 and 39, with businesses also being warned to prepare for staff shortages over the winter months. Acting Chief Health Officer Dr Peter Aitken urging everyone to get their flu vaccine. It's really important for us we extend the flu vaccination reach. Currently, for those people between the ages of 6 and 64, it's much harder to access flu vaccination and our rates are much, much lower. That's also on top of a community that hasn't had exposure to flu A for the last five years. Meantime, a man aged in his 60s has died from Japanese encephalitis. He was diagnosed with mosquito-borne virus in March and died at Albury Base Hospital in New South Wales on Friday. It's the second encephalitis death in New South Wales. Victoria, Queensland and South Australia have each recorded one death. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to Queensland and an investigation is underway after the death of a five-year-old boy who died just hours after being discharged from hospital. Amelia Oberhardt has the details from Brisbane. 
Yes, thanks, Tash. A Brisbane family is desperate for answers after their five-year-old son died just two hours after being discharged from Logan Hospital on Sunday night. The boy who presented at the hospital with stomach pains allegedly waited hours in emergency before being discharged at 10pm. He was then brought back by his terrified family after he collapsed at home at midnight. Metro South have launched an investigation and the police are preparing a report for the coroner, but certainly hoping the family gets some answers soon. To WA and dozens of firefighters will today join paramedics to assist with ambulance ramping delays and COVID staff shortages. Emma Griffiths has the details from Perth. Yeah, that's right, Tash. Dozens of firefighters who've undergone two days of training to operate an ambulance will join paramedics on the road from today. It's part of the solution for St John's to fix recent excessive delays and COVID-related staff shortages. Fiona Scanlon from the United Workers Union says their members are pleased with the extra assistance. They're happy that these people have put their hand up and expressed an interest to help out as they have. They, of course, um, wish it had never gotten to this and that St John had made sure there was appropriate resources to support them in their job as paramedics. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. The new Prime Minister, as we mentioned earlier, is already down to business, travelling overseas. Meantime, Treasurer Jim Chalmers has already laid out the economic challenges ahead for Australia. Tash, good morning. And look, yeah, he has. They're not surprising ones. We all know where we're sitting. We all know, of course, the challenge about rising inflation and rates. But Treasurer Chalmers basically saying, look, yep, we've got some issues straight down to work. We'll see what we can do. What I'm really pleased about is his knowledge that productivity is the big one that no one dared talk about during the campaign in any detail. Uh, but this is the challenge. This is how we get ourselves with into a situation with higher wages and without inflation taking off, is if we can, as a country, put more, uh, you know, get do more with the same. That's what productivity is. If we can get away with that, if we can do that, we can actually have higher wages and not stoke inflation further. Time will tell whether it's a pipe dream, whether we can actually do it, and there still might be more pain in the meantime. But hopefully, it's a path to a decent start and hopefully that reducing the pain when it comes to prices. Yeah, fingers and toes crossed. And there's been mm. a, a lot of speculation and interesting examples of high-profile property collapses in Australia, mm. Scott. Metricon has denied it's in trouble, but we've seen a large failure in China. Yeah, we've talked about three or four over the last couple of months, Tash. It really is an issue with, in Australia at least, high lumber prices, high steel prices, high labour prices. We just talked about inflation and fixed price contracts. And we've seen quite a few builders succumb and Metricon, as we know, was rumoured to be in some issues paying back its debt. It's denied that. But as you say, the third largest property developer in China, Sunak, defaulted on a $1.1 billion bond. Uh, in other words, simply couldn't pay its debts. And when you think about that, it comes on the top of Evergrande that we spoke about last year. It collapsed in December. This is not just an Australian story. It is a, a truly global story. And we know how important construction is there and here for economic growth. We know how many people are employed, how much money is tied up in it. So it does just add to the worries about what might happen with a property slowdown or a property crunch. And of course, the flow on impacts for the global economy. We all need some good news. There's a silver lining. I know the cost of food's gone through the roof, uh, especially over recent weeks and months, but at least our farmers are benefiting. 
Yeah, this is and this is a really nice story. You know, like we don't want high prices, of course we don't. But if we're going to have them, at least you hope someone's benefiting rather than just the faceless men. And it turns out that if farmers are doing really, really well, now this is one of the companies that agribusiness or agricultural business that uh, farmers use to get their products to market. Elders, of course, they'll be a name well known across much of regional and rural Australia. They had a really, really strong result. Profit was up eighty percent on the back of a thirty-eight percent increase in revenue for Elders. Again, they're making you extra money, which is good for them, but it comes on the back largely of a great season when it comes to cropping and, and, uh, and of course, uh, cattle and sheep, but also higher prices as well. When you get prices and volumes going up, Elders does well, but I think in this case, more importantly, our farmers and hopefully our rural communities do as well. Yeah, we all need some good news at the moment. Scott, thanks so much. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> we'll take it. Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett, a former AFL captain, is pleading for the AFL and Players Association to offer more help for players heading towards retirement after a teammate was hit with serious drugs charges. Yeah, this has come from Nick Rewalt, the former St Kilda uh, skipper, who was very passionate on Fox Footy last night and talking about the plight of his former teammate in Sam Fisher. He's been charged with drug trafficking. He was too unwell to leave custody. So he is facing some uh, really, really serious charges. And although Rewalt said it didn't come as a complete surprise, obviously uh, the extent to which his life has spiralled uh, did. And he said the news hit him very hard. The AFL will concede... And the AFL Players Association will concede that a player's transition out of the game is the greatest issue facing the game. And this is not, this is not I can hear people out there already, this is not about feeling sorry for players. Mm. Because players are paid really well, they've got all of these opportunities available to them as they go through the game. But somewhere along the line, it's it's not working. Now, on the injury front, some seasoned stars are facing time on the sidelines. Paddy Dangerfield's been grounded by another calf issue. He's unlikely to be back in Cats colours before the bye. Tom Lynch is out of the Tigers' side for up to three weeks with a hamstring injury. Club fitness chief Peter Burge says it's the key forward's second setback this year. Certainly doing a fair bit of investigation and, and looking at his program, but it's it's not going to be a long injury. It's just how we calculate the time frame and when he's safe to return so that he stays returned and we don't have another problem. And Swans veteran Josh Kennedy is out for eight weeks with a hamstring tear, so uphill battle to get back into that Sydney side. Yeah, absolutely. Brett, the NRL has shut down calls to scrap the bunker after another weekend of criticism. Yeah, it's a, it's a real chorus at the moment from coaches, commentators, uh, club officials that either scrap the bunker or downsize its involvement uh, completely. But that won't be happening, according to the NRL's head of football, Graham Annesley. You know, could you imagine the drama that we would have if referees were missing foul play? People would be saying, well, we've got the technology, why aren't we using it? If we got rid of the bunker altogether, could you imagine referees trying to rule on some of these acrobatic tries that are scored in the corner? And a couple of re-signings announced yesterday as well. Jack Bird, months of speculation ended about his future. He has re-signed for two years with St George. Herbie Farnworth has agreed to a one-year deal with the Broncos. And the French Open is underway, Brett. Yeah, and uh, Jordan Thompson ran into Rafael Nadal, the toughest challenge at the French Open. Rafa going for 14 French Open singles titles, lost in straight sets. Unfortunately, no surprises there. Uh, Darius Saville and Isla Tomjanovic, though, both through to the second round. John Millman is on court this morning. Brett, thanks so much. Thank you, Tash. 
And Tom Cruise has described the making of the Top Gun sequel Maverick as a daunting task. The Hollywood superstar has sat down for an interview with Channel 7 to talk about the film, which comes more than 36 years after the original blockbuster. I'm so excited for people to see this movie. I'm so excited it worked out, you know, and relieved. Tremendously relieved, you know, (laughs) because people have been asking, I was like, oh, come on, I don't, you know, how do we do this? The new movie lands in Australian cinemas this Thursday. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.